busy days this past weekend on the political front. So much to talk about, so much to dissect. That's what we're going to do right now. Obviously, we had the MP vote on the carbon tax in Ottawa about an hour ago. Uh, it didn't go through. Premiers uh, wanting to pause or stop the carbon tax. They got together in their meeting down in Halifax. And provincially, it was the AGM for the UCP. And some interesting thoughts on in the direction of the party based on the weekend get-together. Uh, some things might be doable. Some things might just be out there to stir things up. Well, joining us on the program today to talk about all of this is Associate Professor and Student Advisor in the Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University in Calgary. Laurie Williams joins us. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Brim. Well, hey, listen, you got to catch your breath. That's a crazy three days, huh? I'll say. Where do you want to dig in? Let's start with this MP vote first and foremost. Uh, it went down to defeat today. In Ottawa, we saw the Conservatives and the NDP actually partner up, which is a little unusual. It's not really horribly surprising to see the Liberals and the Bloc kind of pull together. What were your thoughts on what happened today? Well, it's not a surprise that it didn't go through, but I think it it is um, symbolically important, and it maybe suggests there's a bit of momentum uh, in terms of questioning some aspects of the of the carbon tax policy, which the the Liberals may ultimately have to respond to. We just need to do first of all the math. The Liberals, with 158 seats, um, are have more seats than the combined uh, um, Conservatives and NDP. So, so that alone means that the Bloc could have abstained, and they still would have defeated yeah. uh, the vote. And and it's important to remember that in in Quebec they've got a cap and trade system, so this doesn't really affect them one way or the other. Uh, and they considered abstaining because it, it's it's not directly relevant um, to them. The important thing is that the Conservatives and the NDP together don't have enough votes to to um, to, to pass a vote like this against the Liberals. I guess the the Bloc could have just abstained and just left it at that, but by voting the way they did, it just I don't know the message it sends out to the rest of the country, in particular the West. At least that's how I view it because I'm in the West. It's pretty strong still, right? The opposition to the, yeah, I mean, the questions around the carbon tax are strong. And, and the reason is this. We've got, on the one hand, people really struggling with affordability and not very clear on how much they're spending or getting back with respect to the carbon tax. Uh, they know they're getting rebates. They know that gas is expensive at the pump. To actually do the calculation of whether they're ahead or behind or whether they can do anything to make it more affordable. I think that cal- calculation is difficult. Um, so it's the affordability piece combined with the, the sense of unfairness has really made this into a lightning rod. It's often said that, is that a hill you want to die on? And and for the Prime Minister, it looks like he's definitely chosen that this is the route he's going to go for the next little while. And when you take a look at the way things have kind of divided up a little bit here, He's been, he's digging his heels in. Do you think he's making the right decision here? Or does he have to? It's it's hard to know. I mean, I think there is an argument to be made that rural Canadians are are struggling more than than maybe a lot of urban Canadians are, and there might be something there worth looking at a little bit more closely. But the real problem here is that a policy that's been supported in a couple or three elections so far, the, the Liberals, particularly in the last two elections, basically um, won because the Conservatives, at least in part, because the Conservatives didn't have an alternative, and Canadians do, even in Alberta, care about the environment. Uh, now the question is whether this is the policy 
that is going to accomplish the kinds of objectives that are necessary. And then the, that that's that whole sort of inflaming of, of regional divisions and tensions yeah. has made this a much more difficult thing to defend. Premiers also got together in Halifax. The big thing, again, was the carbon tax. But I guess when you take a look at what happened in Ottawa, I don't know how much push and pull they're going to have, but they do have to they do have to stand up and speak out. Do you not believe that? Well, some are, right? Yeah. But the, the problem, again, is that different premiers are going to have different views on it. BC has its own carbon tax and isn't going to get any kind of break um, with with a federal uh, carbon tax change. Quebec, again, has a different program. And Atlantic provinces uh, benefit potentially from from this program. That said, one of the one of the premiers, the Atlantic premiers, Wayne Higgs, is actually supporting Alberta's concern about fairness within the federation. But uh, there isn't unanimity by any stretch on the carbon tax amongst the premiers. There is more consensus amongst the premiers on the Canada Pension Plan uh, than there is on the carbon tax. I don't know where this is going to go down the road. I can tell you why it's such a big issue today. Who knows if something else will eclipse it down the road. But I think it's hitting harder because it's a government that is struggling with a series of controversies and looking weaker by the day. I feel like we're in a hamster wheel if that's a good way to put it. Hey, uh, let's also talk about what happened at the BMO Centre in Calgary with the AGM for the UCP. Some interesting thoughts on the direction of the party, but they may not implement a lot of this. Who knows? What's your take on what you heard and what you saw this weekend? Well, I think there are a couple of things to bear in mind. One is many of the attendees there, the journalists that were there, um, were struck by the absence of moderate conservatives, or people that, that have been involved in the conservative party or the movement, as it's sometimes called in Alberta, just didn't show up. I don't know if they just abdicated and gave up and didn't want to engage or what's happening there. Um, but that could potentially spell trouble for the UCP down the road. The other thing is that despite the... the, the you know, the triumphal language that we see associated with uh, David Parker at the um, at the AGM, a new age in Alberta, after this AGM, grassroots are in charge. Yeah. Those who listen will, will be removed from power. It's important to understand it was not just Take Back Alberta that that unseated Jason Kenney. It was a combination of Take Back Alberta and a number of constituency associations and their representatives that were really putting pressure. Um, uh, and and the sense that the party brass was not listening. Well, Danielle Smith at least is saying she's listening and she's saying she supports some of these policies that push co- might come to shove over over this issue of, of uh, uh, parent parental consent for pronoun changes um, or, or name changes in school because Danielle Smith doesn't agree with, with the resolution that was passed this weekend. And if that becomes a, a flashpoint of disagreement between her and and uh, and some of the people that are now on the board, they could potentially organize and unseat her, which, you know, frankly, it's tough to be a conservative premier and stay in power in this province. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny, too, because looking at all the policies and all the amendments and all the kind of stuff that they put out there, this is now becoming the story again, is what you just pointed out. Are you surprised mm-hmm. that that happened or not at all? Uh, not particularly surprised because we knew that a lot of the delegates to the convention, about two-thirds of them, were um, were people that had been inspired by Take Back Alberta or were, were actively Take Back Alberta. Um, you know, Rick Orman, a former progressive conservative, tried to unite uh, the right, um, was soundly defeated by a Take Back Alberta-approved uh, candidate for president. 
And that list of resolutions was, you know, clearly from the the further right wing of of the United Conservatives, probably more like the old Wild Rose Party, and and definitely out of step with moderate conservatives um, in the province. And that might be um, something that that you know permanently sort of solidifies the brand of the United Conservative Party as being far to the right. I'm sure you hear from moderate conservatives, I certainly do all the time, people who feel like they don't have a political home yeah. anymore. Um, and, and so I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of moving and shaking between now and the next election, and it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how how this is managed. Whether Danielle Smith is able to weather the storm, and if she weathers the storm and remains premier into the next election, whether she can win enough seats. Because again, there are a lot of journalists who've been around for a long time who are saying that this is like nothing they've ever seen at a party convention before, and it definitely doesn't line up with what polling repeatedly shows uh, the majority of Albertans believe and support. I was going to say a party on the edge, but it seems like every party, both federally and provincially, is a party on the edge these days. It's crazy times out there. Hey, thanks thanks for your time. We'll we'll be talking again. I know we will in the future because there's always going to be something to talk about. So thanks, Laurie. Thank you, Bryn. All right, Laurie Williams, Associate Professor and Student Advisor in the Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University in Calgary.